steady on. Look, I mean, my wife's entitled to her views. Oh, isn't she, Jackson? Aren't you all entitled to your half-assed musings on the divine? You've thought about eternity for 25 minutes and think you've come to some interesting conclusions. Well, let me tell you, I stand with 2,000 years of darkness and bafflement and hunger behind me. My kind have harvested the souls of a million peasants and I couldn't give a hateny for your internet-assembled philosophy. Look, Look, we have a right to be here. This is a place of peace. Oh, please. That's a very recent idea, and not one that I think is going to catch on. you later, so I didn't heard what you were talking about. But also, you, you demolished my question just by asserting that there is no free will anyway, so what's the point of the question? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I would say, especially from a purely atheistic perspective, determinism is almost... You can't get away from it, in theory, mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah, whenever you get into the causality it's of like... A, yeah, uh, causality. You know, you, I mean, the Big Bang happened in a way... Exactly. Like, like, everything's just... Uh, course in, in every moment, like, you don't have any control. Yeah. It's just like the circumstances in your biochemistry yeah. reacting yeah. at any moment. So. Yeah. Yes, let's introduce our guests. We're here with Dougal, Vice President of the Warwick Christian Union. We're here with Nathan, the President of Warwick Christian Union. We're here with the Satanist with a small S. We're here with Hutch from Texas, New York, and the Beast from the East from New Delhi. I know you're from Calcutta now, I know that. Or Kolkata, as they call it. I know, yeah. So, we're talking today about religion, and we have six, no, rather four different perspectives, because we, we three are Christians. The three wise men, you might argue. Ha! The Magi. Um, the Magi, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've, br I've brought myrrh, obviously. A bomb, a bomb. Well, what is myrrh anyway? It is a valuable bomb. A bomb? What are you giving him a bomb for? I don't want to put a downer on your uh, nice pun there, but the Bible never actually says three wise men. It's just assumed because there are three gifts. Well, there you are. It could have just been one or none. Indeed. It could have Amazon Prime gift. Gift. There you see some wisdom that we lack. Perhaps the exact reason why we brought in some experts. Exactly. We're just going to wait for everyone to sit down, and then we're going to have a group selfie. So well, don't what, worry. What does, don't, it's a true multimedia experience now. Don't you get the about... selfie. There'll be a little slideshow as you keep <laughs> taking selfies throughout the podcast. It's... Let's give it a thumbs up. Yeah, what's the... Oh, well, you, you need something to hide your face. Don't put the bottle of port. Secret identity. Oh. He can blur your face, I'm sure, if it comes down to it. I just put a because I just put a poo emoji over it. Because I I cover his voice with a fart in the latest podcast. Not voice, not voice. There's a very good chance I'll just call him by name at some point. Whenever you speak, you've called him by name twice, and it's yeah, exactly. It's just a fart, just a fart sound. The question is: Can the residents of heaven, being inherently good, have knowledge of the suffering in hell and still be good? We have myself, Nathan, and Dougie. Dougal. Dougal. Dougie. Representing... I'll teach you how to Dougie. Representing Christianity. I'm a good Catholic boy. That's a lie. What are, what are you, if you don't mind my asking? That's fine. Yep. I'm a Bible-believing Christian, independent from any specific sect. But and Nathan? Uh, yeah, same. The only word I would probably use to describe that would be evangelical. Often we'll figure it out. The blood of Christ. So... <laughs> The Satanist is representing uh, Hinduism. Do <laughs> <laughs> you mind? I will be representing the naturalistic point of view. On the this naturalistic matter. point of view on this matter. And Hutch from Texas, Wisconsin is representing agnosticism. And B is uh, representing Hinduism and possibly Buddhism. Buddhism. Possibly. 
if you if you feel so inclined. So let's open with a quote from not A.J. Ayer, who's my favorite atheist, but uh, Swinburne. Heaven is a place where people enjoy eternally a supreme, worthwhile happiness. A man in heaven would be in a situation of supreme value. And that's from A Theodicy of Heaven and Hell, 1983, as you well know. So let's talk about it. What, what do you think? Do you think that, that the residents of heaven can have awareness of the suffering in hell and still be happy? The idea of a heaven is that there has to be an alternative or else heaven has no intrinsic value. It doesn't necessarily have to be punishment, the other spot, but if at the end of everyone's life they're treated the exact same, as a religion or perhaps just as a belief structure, is there a reason for you to behave in a good way if you're not going to get any particular reward for doing so afterwards? Nathan, can the residents of heaven have knowledge of suffering in hell and still be good, still be worthy of their, their place in this yeah. eternal place of supreme happiness? So, so, so the way in which I'd attack this question would be to try and understand what it means to say that someone is good. For something to be good, i.e. for people to be moral, I think you need to have a framework of values from which to say something is good or something is bad. This is the, the crux um, of the euthyphro dilemma. Indeed, and as a Christian, uh, evangelical Christian, I would say the definition of what is morally good and what is morally bad is given to us by God. That God himself is the objective final definition of morality. And therefore anything which is good is something which he says is good. I believe that the Christian faith paints the picture that God definitely believes that heaven is a good place and therefore is good by virtue of the fact that God says so because he is the definition of that which is good. But the Satanist would refute that. You believe that goodness is not God-given. No, I yes, but I wanted to say about this, that division of good people and bad people. I think if for some reason God put a person to heaven, that person should care about other people suffering in hell. But it's just that God is, uh, you know, dividing those people. And that person in heaven, he can't do anything about. So he can be good and care about people in hell, but it's just he can't do anything about it. I feel like you want to say something, Ruby. I think on kind of a topic like this, I'm, hes I'm hesitant really to give a... An answer which I can say is 100% truth, really, because it's not... Is it truth um, is relative? <laughs> um, we are. <laughs> because this specific question, uh, we wouldn't have a, have the question if it was directly answered in the Bible. But it's not, mm. um, which means that ultimately what we're talking about really is, in many respects, philosophy. I think, so Richard Swinburne's uh, kind of definition of what heaven will be like and the goodness in heaven is ultimately kind of a, a summarisation of what the Bible says that heaven will be like. Naturally. Well, that's the only reference we have. Yeah. On that note, I think if we say, will people be aware? I think in many ways we just need to kind of acknowledge that even if people are aware, it will be a place in which people are just like, I'm in kind of eternally and 100% satisfied with being in heaven. But even then I'm not even I'm not I'm hesitant to say we w in heaven I will or will not be aware of the sufferings of people in hell in hell because it's not directly attacked or answered in the bible and because it's unprovable in inherently I thought this we're assuming that that people know well I mean well, but the question is can they know and still be good 
But the, also, yeah, the, yeah, part, part of the question just is, like, do you know? I get, you know. Yeah. Dougie's asking, should they know? It's, Why not? Who, who would erase their memory or something? Or yeah, do you just, when you pass, wouldn't, no one would tell them, here you are, and that's it. And no one tells you that there's hell. The, Maybe now we are in hell now. And we just don't know if there's the, something uh, else. Yeah, I disagree with the last point because Jesus came down here. I think the question has two front, fronts to it. It's can we be in heaven, assuming that we're in heaven, can we be aware of people's sufferings and then still be good? Yes, two but parts. The way in which I was attacking it first is saying, well, if we know that we will be good, then how does that reflect on whether or not we know on other people? Because we can take it either way around. And I think the fact that if we can... If I take what the Bible says as true, which says that we will be good and it will be perfect, then that means that the first part of the question means that, you know, even if we did or didn't know, we would be good and we would be perfect. Hutch made a point last week because we've been trying to do this podcast for weeks. We've had this burning idea and don't worry about it, Nathan. We called the Bishop of Coventry and his (laughs) canon... And they both replied in the negative very politely. And I should say a big thank you to the secretary of the Bishop of Coventry, who is a really charming lady, and I hope she's listening. Yes, Hutch made a point a few weeks ago, which was, if you were in heaven and had knowledge of the suffering in hell, but then by nature of this knowledge did not know, could not do anything about it, that situation that you are then in is in itself a hell. I think we need to question, do we believe that the people who are in hell are justified being in hell? And so, so, so I suppose part of the question hinges on, can they know of the suffering in people, of people in hell and be good? Well, yes, if the people who are suffering deserve that suffering. I will bring a point on that, but I think, we, I think there's a discussion that needs to be had about, do the people that are in hell deserve to be in hell and deserve that suffering and if so why are they there this goes back to the point about normativity and the standard by which we assess goodness or evil essentially the euthyphro dilemma which we will talk about in depth now is something good because god says it is good or does god do things because they are good where does the goodness lie stepping out from christianity for a moment and asking everyone who determines moral standards the euthyphro dilemma i think it was plato who came up with that but yeah, yeah. i think i'm talking about socrates and euthyphro it's trying to assess whether or not morality exists outside of god and god just dictates that to us and therefore we don't need god for morality or whether or not morality as a thing doesn't exist but it is god is essentially that morality that we're trying to find out from a, a christian perspective the answer is it is both because it's the first one so i think god as the creator of the universe, is in every right to, and it is the case that he is, he dictates what is right and wrong because he created it and has a objective way in which he says, that is the way that I have designed it to be and that is therefore good. Which means that he acts out of his nature good because our definition of good based on his creative means and the way in which he's designed creation to be, we are judging by his own standards, which means that what he acts is good and it is good because he says it. So I think it's both, which is a bit of a confusing way to put it. It's yeah. a very confusing issue. It doesn't really have an answer, which is satisfactory. What do you think, the, the beast from the East? What, where does goodness or evil come from? First of all, from, from a Hindu perspective, eternal heaven, eternal hell does not exist. Eternity in heaven or hell does not exist for as far as the Hindu scripture goes, right? 
according to the hindu scripture it's heaven earth hell all three worlds are within god within space time and causation all are part of the same world right you do your action on earth if you do good action you are sent to heaven bad actions to hell it is is the same but when you are sent to heaven after you have you are done with your payings of good you again come back to earth and when you go to hell after your you are done with your you know punishments you are again reincarnated to earth reincarnation and birth and death goes in cycle and what we aim is something called moksha or nirvan nirvan moksha or nirvan so nirvan. You, you you do something to cut out from this cycle cycle of birth and death and reincarnation and to to see the truth and move to nirvan i think i prefer the idea that hell isn't eternal even in neither hell nor yeah, so uh, heaven is eternal that's nice. it keeps you on your toes because because the because the aim is to <laughs> is to see the truth and heaven and hell both are not the truth i mean truth is something where you realize where you we we eventually believe that we can see god if there comes a point where you just going from earth to heaven back and forth and don't go to hell that means you're doing good but so still you are born in the in the cycle of actually i'll go a little uh, further this all comes from the word of from the word from the concept of desire mm-hmm. so till the point the soul holds on to any desire it will either do good either do bad and move around in the cycle and once you drop your desires then you can attain nirvana so you mentioned how you go to this temporary state of hell until you've paid the punishment how does that work with temporary heaven how do you kind of get paid and you're good like you've done a certain amount of good and you get your good back how Actually, what's the time span no i mean i i don't know about the time span what i said is that all three worlds according to the hindu scriptures are 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 binded with the with the concept of space time and causation mm. right you like your soul gets the payment of your good deeds and bad deeds and whatever but eventually you can do action only in on uh, earth as a human body you can do good and bad only on earth and that's how you can uh-huh. break free you you can't do action in heaven or hell what do you do you're just heaven? paid what do you do in heaven what happens to you fuck around <laughs> so, the concept of heaven is same in everywhere on hell you are being fucked and in heaven you fuck around the uh, the point about what do we define as good or bad i don't want to wade in on the atheist perspective but this is a quote from richard dawkins Um, that I think basically atheist. that basically someone's like actually came up came up with memes indeed he says in a universe of electrons and selfish genes blind physical forces and genetic replication some people are going to get hurt other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it nor any justice the universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design no purpose no evil no good nothing but pitiless indifference and i suppose if you if you take the line that there is no god i think that the majority of leading atheists accept that there is no such thing as objective morality that that if we do live in a universe that was created with no purpose therefore it it is a random accident that we are here and ultimately there is therefore pitiless indifference that's no what aja has said he said 
I believe that the universe was just became into being and that was that. <laughs> his whole argument in mm-hmm. his book Language, Truth and Logic, pretty much, mm. which he wrote when he was 26, yeah. which is really impressive. Phenomenal, man. Yeah, great guy. His, his book pretty much rests upon the fact that if you can't verify something objectively, scientifically, yeah. cognitively through the senses, then it cannot be said to be true, which led to him it's saying... It's a empirical argument. It, it is, and, it, and he pretty much built upon the ideas of David Hume. But he was the founder of logical positivism, and pretty much he said to say God exists is a meaningless statement because you can't verify it. To say there is morality is a meaningless statement because you can't verify mm-hmm. it. Yeah. To use stuff, and then and then it kind to of say it you love pushed. your wife is meaningless because you can't verify it. it exactly, yeah. And then he also he also talked about <laughs> to say I want eggs of... for breakfast is a meaningless statement because. You're... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see if you eat the eggs I prepare for you for breakfast in this trying time. Yeah, in this trying time. <laughs> what was that quote? That was from. Uh... <laughs> From Frank's Pretty Woman, Series 7, Episode 1 of uh, It's Always, always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> Can I offer you a nice egg in this trying time? Yeah, he's got an egg, you might... <laughs> in the limousine scene, which we will show you after this. No, I hope not. <laughs> Can people be good if they know about the knowledge and how well do people deserve to go to hell? And, that's the que- and that, I suppose that's the question. And, and the Christian line yeah. would be people go to hell if their sin has not been atoned for, basically. So Christians basically believe because God is infinitely holy, absolutely perfect, that like the Bible kind of uses descriptions of he dwells in inapproachable light, that he is a character and is so perfectly holy and as such has a perfect standard. And essentially that all people everywhere have fallen short of that standard. Why? Because none of us are perfect. And so Christians say that because God is holy and perfect, that he is just and he is right in condemning sin and having wrath against sin. Ultimately, the Christian perspective is that every single one of us deserves eternal punishment in hell. It's because all of us have completely rejected the God. And people say, kind of, oh, well, that's not fair. It's not so much about the things that are done, but who it's done against. If I hit my brother, I might have a different reaction. The, the punishment might be uh, less severe than if I hit the Queen of England, for instance. If you um, hit the Queen, you, you, I, you I lose would, the arm. Well, exactly. I, I, would I, would pu- I would punish myself. <laughs> I, would I, lo- I, love, I love Queen Elizabeth. And if, and if she's them. listening, we are all her law subjects. Um, <laughs> every, every, Not everyone, me! I'll revolt again! <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, um, don't take that illustration too far, but the point is the reason that Christians believe that sin is justified having wrath against it is because of who it is against. People, Christians believe that Christians are not good people. That's not how they get to heaven. They're not good people, but rather they're just forgiven people by because of Jesus's atoning sacrifice that our sins can be forgiven if we repent and believe in Him. So I would I would say the question, the answer is yes, they can be good and have knowledge of people's eternal suffering in hell because the Christian perspective is that people deserve eternal suffering in hell if their sin has not been atoned for. You've been looking at me for the past five minutes. <laughs> well, I, I just think I what, I what you were saying at the end there, I think the Bible, if I, if I was to summarise it in a sentence, the Bible states those who go to hell are in many ways getting what they ask for because they ask for a life without God, they live for a life without God, and God says, you know what, I dwell in heaven, here's eternity without me. As If a, if a Christian's acknowledging that, and kind of many of the pictures of heaven are, are kind of Christians worshipping God for eternity. In that respect, if we're worshipping God whilst knowing that there are people suffering in heaven because they've knowingly rejected that God, I think it might be reasonable to suggest that because we'd be worshipping this God and seeing this God, our minds would be so transfixed on the majesty and the beauty of that, that either it wouldn't preoccupy our minds or 
if we think about it, we'd be like, you know what, this God is so great. Almost that it would be hell for someone that has rejected him to be forced to be with him for eternity. Because like I said, Christians believe that heaven is eternal worship and experience with God. If you decide to reject God, then it would almost be like hell. It's actually a very interesting point. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, For someone be in that who doesn't believe to spend eternity with God is torture. Indeed. Mm. That's madness. But I guess an interesting concept, and I mean, this is referencing Dante's Inferno, which I know has a lot of a lot of theological <laughs> issues with Indeed. it. Indeed. Uh, but I, I feel like at least on the concept of like the idea that if you were born before Jesus' sacrifice, it was impossible for you to be oh, yes. saved in yeah, that sense. Absolutely. I think that's one thing that everyone... Everyone can at least agree on that 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 was that's an issue that still exists, and so yeah. that allows people who are good but never had the chance to, you know, be forgiven yeah, by measure, the sacrifice, or measure their goodness, against, or measure their goodness against, yeah. or uh, have, have, a, have an opportunity for forgiveness in the same way that Christians are allowed to now after the sacrifice of Jesus. Mm. And does that mean just by let's say we are taking an atheistic approach to this, where it's just random, where when you're born you have no control? that these people are therefore automatically left out of the opportunity of salvation. If you're in heaven and you know this, again, there is the argument that for some of these people, they wouldn't relish an opportunity to mm -hmm. worship God, but maybe among some of them, there are people who would believe, if given the opportunity, or who would relish the, the act of worship. I'm sure it's a, it's a nitpicky argument to make. No, not at all. I mean, this is a question that many Christians struggle on. Christians struggle on the question of even people that were alive today uh, that have never heard the gospel and given been given the chance to respond. And I think the Bible does actually address this. And, and, and I suppose the line that I would take with that question is because we believe that all people deserve, deserve hell anyway, that even those that weren't given the opportunity to be saved, um, if, if you take away that question, even those people who, before Jesus, doesn't mean that they didn't deserve to go to hell. But I suppose the mm -hmm. question is, right, well, okay, I can I can maybe accept that, however, given God exists, etc., etc. But how is it fair that some people are given the opportunity to turn away from that and people before Jesus weren't given the opportunity to go to that? And also, in many ways, it's a, it's a false question because... Mm -hmm we do have the opportunity because Jesus has died and has given the opportunity for redemption and forgiveness of sins. I've heard it used, and I'm sure that's not the reason you're using it, but I've heard it used as an argument against Christianity to say, look, that seems a bit unfair. But in many ways, I don't think it can be used as an argument against Christianity or against the idea of heaven and hell, really, because it's a false premise because we actually have the opportunity to respond to it. I actually don't understand why do people have to suffer because only two, two people broke the law of eating an apple and now everyone has to suffer I'd rather oh, sorry. so no go on absolutely I was just eager to point, like pitch in at this point go for it one of the basic difference is that in Christianity it is a belief that uh, it's a born sinner yeah the original yeah? sin yes from because uh, those two guys did a mistake and we are as a result of that in Hinduism we don't believe uh, say uh, everybody is a born sinner again. yeah actually yeah what, what you said before it actually makes sense you pay for what you did on earth we we, we, we believe rewarded. on karma oh, yeah. we believe on karma it's mm. it's not that that everybody is a born sinner and uh, you have to pay for that sin right it's something accrued from the karma the previous birth and reincarnation okay, yes. bonus points from mm. previous yeah. lives uh, yes. however the, the christian understanding is yes, people are born sinners and so cannot go to God, but 
the reason that we believe they cannot go to God is because they will not go to God. And so, yes, we believe that you are born a sinner, but we, what we believe that that means is that you have... Why, why um, do you make that assumption that someone it, would no, not go to, to heaven? No, no, no. no, 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 no sorry, I, I don't think I explain myself either. I think when Christians say that we believe that we are born sinners, what we mean is that every single person in their life will commit sin. And so you're not just going to hell on the premise of you have something attributed to you as guilt before you were born. So but we, what? But, but we, believe we that... didn't make... But, but well, that's what, what I don't understand. No one made that sin except Adam so, and Eve, and now everyone... Well, no, no, is, but, no, but oh, we, I, I, I just assume that, oh, yeah, so that means all people are the same. And no, 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 so all people... No, no, I don't think it's God assumed. It's that history shows that people aren't perfect. Are you perfect? <laughs> According to Christianity, I am here because those two people f***ed up. So that, so... Uh, Let's all talk at once. Let <laughs> First is the part of the born sinner. Yeah. Second is the fundamental point is that you consider human and God to be different from each other. Mm-hmm. And the bridge is Christ. Mm-hmm. If I'm not wrong. Yeah. I yeah. should not comment. But no, no. You as far as I There's a lot of debate actually about that, I think. But, uh, but in this Hinduism... We actually don't believe that God and human is different. Like Buddha is one of our God. Okay, yeah. He has transcended from human to God. Though he didn't want to be a God. Though, never. He never. He never wanted him to be said as God, but we made him God. He That's even did not allow anybody to make his photo and he picture. Didn't, he didn't let Every, Everything that you see of Buddha in India, the pictures are of Alexander. Alexander the, the, Great, the Great, who invaded who India and they were, they were in uh, like search of somebody to reflect Buddha and they made pictures of Alexander. Anyways, he's, a, so, he's the same in Islam uh, as well. Mm. Actually, by uh, by a Hindu's karma, he can realize and and also God in in if you de- go in scriptures, then it's it's basically not any structure. Yeah, okay. It's Om. It's it's a something abstract. Yeah, okay. Something, something light or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. to the reason, I just want to clear out any misconceptions. We believe that the Christians not only are guilty from Adam choice but we also believe that because sin came into the world that all people are born choosing to sin so we're not just saying that you're inherently guilty but what we are saying is that every person every person's mind is turned against god so, so the way in which you are held accountable is not just because of some inherent guilt but it's also because of the things which you actively choose to do so in response to that though as well there is a verse in the bible as well which says that for justice through the disobedience of one man that's adam you're talking about many were made sinners so also through the obedience of one man the many were made righteous to look at adam and say look everyone's been made sinful because of the acts of one man how unfair is that well then it's fair because just through the righteous acts of one man many people can be made right there's no longer well, what man jesus, jesus. jesus. So, but then you assume that jesus will come before you made that decision that everyone is a sinner because of one man. I don't. I don't assume it because no. God, I mean, well, I, so so God saying saying God would assume God when He created the world in His all knowledge knew that. He, so why did He create it that way? That's a great question. A great so there's a kind of underlying theory that you see throughout the biblical text that even in saving people, 
God isn't just doing that for those people. Ultimately, we believe that the purpose of God is that He is for His own glory, he and did, the reason he in which did everything he, that for himself. for His for His glory, yeah. So no, no, it's no. Horrible. You see, you see, it's horrible. But doesn't it say something quite profound about God? Because we believe that Jesus Christ is not God. Really? Actually. Well, no, no. Let me explain. Uh, I will explain you later why not. Okay. That's <laughs> fine. Um, so we believe that Jesus Christ is God. And that he paid the ultimate sacrifice and took the most cost to himself. I think it's uh, something very beautiful about the character of God, which the world in which he created that would give the most glory to himself is the same world that would come at greatest cost to himself on the cross. So actually it's quite profound that the way in which God gets most glory is by destroying himself is by destroying himself and getting the most pain so he didn't get a lot because there are more Hindus and Muslims than Christians that's not true no, that's not true. No. I think Christianity um, is still the. I think it, Christianity has a billion, has two billion. So Christian, no. both Christianity. And, and okay, and then five billion. Every man for himself. Okay. You couldn't yeah. convince other five. Every million. man, like. But every man's action. I wanted is to responsible say. Responsible for his. Uh, okay. Yeah, all right, let's one at a time, boys. One at a time. time. I wanted to say why he didn't make a good job to for creating when he was creating this universe, because from all the possibilities he could have brought us here, he chose. You know, the way the things were, evolution and stuff, planets formed, evolution happened. And one particular thing in evolution was that everyone has to be cruel and because that's natural selection. Yeah. So he, he put it that, yeah, in, I, that... That assumes that you I, believe evolution. Well, obviously you do. You can't yeah, other explanations. You do you believe evolution? Uh, I believe in microevolution. I think that macroevolution is unverifiable scientifically it's if not, I could intervene as well go on, I, I think it's uh, I think it's also unfair to say that humans are by designation cruel when you've seen like the creation of societies and city states and the fact sorry this is happening and the fact that we're having a, a debate now without me mauling your head off which is what <laughs> happens in the animal kingdom when two animals disagree mm. But, so, but, you, yeah. but you do see like the creation of like not these uh, always <laughs> well okay not always but yeah. you, you see you, the creation you do see good in creation yeah it's it's a fundamental theory of mine and I repeat it in every podcast that people are inherently selfish and just awful to each mm. other my grandfather had this wonderful saying which was never trust the general public <laughs> <laughs> because the fact is Rip the democracy majority, the majority <laughs> of people topical but the majority of people are just awful to each other. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, atheists are, are coming out with this now. I mean, I don't know if any of you. Well, I mean, uh, well, he's not an atheist. He's not an atheist. He believes in something entirely dark. I assume you've heard of Jordan Peterson. Yes. Um, so Jordan Peterson has actually said that atheists are kind of coming up with their own inherent sin framework. They're just not calling it that. You don't have to train a child to be self-centered. You don't have mm. to train a child to be jealous or to be cruel. I, I personally think that whether or not you call it initial sin, I think it's hard to deny that people are born. But you also but children are quite kind to each other. Of course, but yeah, children but, are also but, but, cruel but, to each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. The, the you know, point is that both exist yeah. in the natural state. I think. I, I yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Um, and when we say that people are born sinners, that doesn't mean that they are without have the inability yeah. to be good. But that there is a disposition against. God and towards self. The way in which societies have formed, even in kind of collective socialistic societies, so much of the way in which substructures in societies have developed have been focused on the self. I'm a free market capitalist, but I will accept that part of the underlying framework of capitalism is greed. 
and so, so not only in the way that children act towards each other, but in the way that structures of society have developed show that kind of people have this inborn nature towards themselves rather than other people. But the I mean, only way you can look after other people is by looking after yourself, because if you don't look after yourself, you are not in a position to help other people. This is true. You don't, this is true. You know, it's the parable of that, I think it was a parable, it's that, that poor woman who gave, gave her last, in the mm. Bible, I think it's mm. the Mark's Gospel, who gave her last it is, yeah. pennies. To, to the church and that yeah. was more significant than the rich man giving his entire estate yeah. because that's all she had yeah mm. you know okay uh, so we're going to get one perspective from everyone on this uh, question one thing then one question if I'll reserve anybody is paying for your sins yeah how come you are responsible for your actions I mean you can do a hell lot of sin yeah because you know that your father is going to for your sins. Yeah. So essentially you're saying, you know, if you're a Christian, why, if you know that you're going to be saved by believing in Jesus, why couldn't you just go and sin all the time because you know you're going to be saved? Because you're not um, responsible for your actions. No, yeah, yeah. That's wrong to say that we're not res- we don't believe that we're not responsible for our actions. We believe that Jesus has paid the, the, the price for those actions. But this is actually addressed directly in the Bible. I believe it was in, uh, was it in Romans? Romans. The, the people in the Roman church were saying, well, if, if I know that God's grace is going to save me, then why can't I just sin more so that God's grace can be made more? And, and Paul basically refutes that and says that's stupid because we believe as Christians that if you do become saved, that it's not just that your sins have been atoned for, but that God, by his Holy Spirit, comes in you and creates a new heart so that you will not go and do those things again. So that if you've been saved, the evidence that you have been saved is that you are turning away from sin, not running to it. And so if, if someone, for instance, like Adolf Hitler, said, well, I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm saved, and then carried on committing yeah, genocide, then, then the Bible basically says, well, clearly you haven't been saved. So not only do you need to repent, you need to actively repent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Which so, is what we were saying, talk is cheap. You were going to refute the Satanist's point. Yeah, I was, I was going to add to a bit about the original sin bit. Then we change. Fam- famously, atheist was Karl Marx. Um, and I'm not going to talk about his politics, I'm going to talk about his atheism. Thank you. He, explicit, <laughs> he explicitly said that if you put a human in a, in a room and they did everything in a room with no interaction from other people and didn't experience life, then they would not create a god because the god is created by the bourgeoisie. For the oppression of the predators. The religion is the opiate of the masses. The opiate of the masses, yeah. If I take that position, saying that religion is created by mankind and the human would not naturally seek God, that naturally cries out original sin. Because if sin is by definition a rejection of the creator God, then if we, in our nature, do not cry out to God and acknowledge his existence, then we are by nature originally sinful. And so well, that's very if you take the forceful to say that because it's mm. circular argument. You justify uh, it, it assumes the existence of God. Look. But yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming I'm, so. I'm yeah, but this whole debate we've been assuming the existence of the existence of God because yeah, we're talking I, I about heaven. heaven. We're talking about heaven. That's so all I'm saying is if you Secular take heaven. if you take the logic <laughs> that we wouldn't if I agree with your with the premise that without society we would naturally reject god then that to me sounds very original sinning because that is sin is rejecting god and so if we are by nature doing that we are by nature sinful final statement from you Hutch. one of the things that i've always appreciated uh, it's a quote i read somewhere once it was about how the good and bad in people's lives don't cancel out if you do something bad and something good you aren't a neutral person you're a person who's done bad and you're a person who's done good and yeah. neither should be forgotten 
And I think Christianity, and I might be wrong here, agrees with that. Because the idea is you're not necessarily saved because you did more good than bad. You're saved because even though you did bad, you repent that and you ask for forgiveness for the bad things that you've done and you dedicate the good works you've done to God. Hmm. But at the exact same time, and, and perhaps pride then is the, cap, the, the sin being committed by man who does both bad and good but refuses to repent. But at the same time, it seems the punishment for that is ignoring the good in favor of looking only at the bad. And I, I'm, I'm agnostic, I, maybe more of a nihilist, which is perhaps a, Ooh, a, dark, a darker place to go. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I, I like to think of myself as a, uh, as a very optimistic nihilist because for me, even though I don't believe there's any guiding force in the universe, even though I think it is all chaos, it's all random, there still is the existence of people doing kind things for each other. There's the existence of moral belief systems that people adhere to to be generally good people to each other and to raise each other up. And to me, that's a beautiful thing to witness in the world. Maybe that is the existence of God, is the fact that even right. in chaos, you know, people still lift each other up when there's no reason not to. You always make these wonderfully grand statements. There's a lot of, uh, I'm sure, logical folly within that argument, but uh, that that's always been the drunker I get, that's always the argument I approach. So I think that's my inner truth that I have to get to. I have been pumping him full of wine. You haven't seen it or heard it, or you may have heard it. Gentlemen, closing question, keeping it lighthearted as usual. What do you think heaven is like? What's it like up there? Or down? Which direction are we going? Is it, is it omnipresent? I'm going to give the Bible perspective before you can, because I can see you're getting ready there. It's, oh, there's some wonderful descriptions of heaven in, in John's, John's gospel, which says that there are dwelling places in heaven, which are mansions and are heavenly opulent. And my favorite book of the Bible, Revelations, says that the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with precious stones. The foundations were made of jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, I think that's how you pronounce it, emerald, sardonic, sardius. These are all very precious stones, you know, beryl, topaz. It's saying that there are 12 layers of heaven before the gates of pearl, all of which are precious stones. So it's all very opulent and it's all very grand. What so opulent? Op opulent is a good word. We use lots of good words here, like abdicate. Yes, please. Can I say something at this point? Uh, do you know, like, there has been a debate. Do you know why heaven is described like this? Because emeralds, pearls, because they picture heaven as such that you don't get on this earth. Like, it's a very strong argument. They create heaven so that it's a kind of carrot. So that you do things politics wants you to do and you don't disrupt the status quo in this society so so you're posing that um, because they describe heaven in such a way that so as the riches as in all order, riches okay yeah because you want the riches everything, or you want anything well, I, I think there's some issues with that still and the idea that it makes heaven a moral dessert as opposed to like instead yeah. of encouraging instead of yeah. encouraging goodness for goodness sake yeah. it's encouraging goodness for a reward which i think undermines the the notion that's, that's not that's not the exactly the intention of repentance that's that's why i i agree with that i, yeah. I think christianity doesn't encourage you to do good things just so you can get into heaven just one sentence from me don't do things and expect a reward it's the surest way to be disappointed precisely what do you think heaven is like my good friend giles <laughs> we're just going farther and farther um, Cookie, what's heaven like 
How short do you want me to be? I could, I could go. I think you're about five foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> be brief. Uh, that is that is shorter than. Yeah, so I'll be brief. I'll be brief. I think ultimately the the way that the Bible describes heaven, and that is the way in which I'd like to talk about because that's our objective means by which to talk about heaven, is that it is perfect and it is free from the things that we know and dislike about this world. So there's a verse in Isaiah which talks about how God will personally wipe away each tear. So it's idea it's free from suffering, it's free from pain, it's not got that stuff that we inherently know, no matter whether we're whether we're not a Christian or not, we know there's something, it's not, it doesn't feel right. Uh, you, you might disagree with me on that. Heaven is a place where we were designed to be. It is a created place. God created heaven. And it is a place we're designed to be where we'll be uh, joyfully worshipping God eternally in a, in a state of perfection. Um, there will be no sin. So, there, so that means that there won't be the effects of sin that we experience in this world. So okay. tell us, Nathan, your... Um, so I would say in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Uh, I think watch heaven watch is a place where people will be covered in... Uh, I don't think it's a place on earth. Um, I think heaven is a place where there will be people reunited with their creator, covered in the blood of the Lamb, where the Lord God will be seated on the throne, Jesus Christ will be there, and people who have believed in him and repented and run to him will be eternally reunited with him and praising him forever. When they're covered in blood, will they have detergent? Uh, I don't do you know, know what you have to do when you get blood in your clothes? There's a detergent which breaks down the enzymes. This is advice for all you serial killers listening to our podcast out there. <laughs> or when you arrive in heaven. There's no honestly because some sometimes you know blood you get a nosebleed. I stabbed my finger today while cooking, so it's always practical. I, I sacrificed several animals for this podcast, and you know it's a mess. But but, so it, but it's crucial. I don't think that the goal is the satisfaction of heaven, but the ends of Christianity is a, is not a place, but a person. I mean, that's Jesus Christ. And I think that is necessary for it to truly be a moral system. Indeed. And I believe that enzyme breaking down spray is also a necessity and proof of, <laughs> proof, indeed, proof of divine intervention. The Satanist, what do you think heaven or, or, or your version of... Your Satanist atheist, heaven. But, well, I suppose as, as taking the atheist perspective today, you don't... Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it's really hard to describe because once you assume things that, well, you can assume, apparently you can assume anything, and for some reason you're assuming that there will be blood and lambs that it sounds like a detergent. Uh, th- that's, it's not a literal lamb, it's a picture of an it's allegory for forces. sacrifice. Uh, so you would feel in the same way you would feel when the blood of la- lamb would cover you. No, that's an, I, I don't want a misconception, that's a metaphor which basically means it's not a literal lamb. The reason that people call Jesus a lamb is because lambs were sacrificed. We believe that Jesus was the sacrifice for the world. So I don't understand, will there be blood or not? 
Probably not literal. <laughs> In right. his version, so no. what, what it's, kind it's, of blood? it's a metaphor. So when I say they're covered, that's just a Christian way of saying that they've been. So forgiven. they would feel the same the, way. Well, no, because they feel forgiven. that they've been forgiven. So why would with Christ. such weird So words. so I I think I think it's a language that is reflective of the Old Testament. They talk about them, the, yeah, what is called the passing. So essentially, yeah, that's sorry, that's sorry, it's essentially in Egypt when in order to mark the Christians as it were, they were Jews at the time because in the Old Testament. But in order to mark God's people, lamb's blood was put over their doors so that the spirit passed over them. So that's yeah, so called the Passover. Yes. Yeah. So in that way, it's covered by the blood of the lamb. I think, while well, I take the position that it is a metaphor, meaning that they are covered in the sense that they are there because their sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Christ that has been shed on the cross. It's very no, difficult because there are no boundaries when you start describing uh, impossible things. So I would say, well, for me, yeah, heaven would be to feel in the same way I can feel the best being on earth, on earth. So probably all the time getting orgasms and having sex without actually doing that. Hush, final thought, what's heaven like? Right. What's um, it all about? I'm taking a more comedic approach to my answer. Um, oh, good. So quite Ricky Gervais or something. No, it's a, it's a, it is a <laughs> quote though. This is a quote from, a, from another wonderful well-spoken individual, Belinda Carlisle. Yeah. Uh, when I feel alone, I reach for you, and you bring me home. When I'm lost at sea, I hear your voice, and it carries me. In this world, we're just beginning to understand the miracle of living. Baby, I was afraid before, but I'm not afraid anymore. That's profound. Ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Wow. I think I've heard that somewhere before. Uh, you know, it's a Belinda Carlisle is a very interesting scholar. Her work, uh, <laughs> uh, it really took off in the 1980s, I think. Uh, you know. It's all academic literature. Yeah, you know, uh, a real, a real staple of academia and theology. <laughs> Let's all say goodbye in the oh, most heavenly fun. way possible. Goodbye. Adios. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Repent and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bye. <laughs> bye bye now. <laughs> Goodbye everyone. Thank you for listening. It's been terribly good. It's Christmas in heaven. All the children sing. It's Christmas in heaven. Hark, hark, those church bells ring. It's Christmas in heaven. The snow falls from the sky. But it's nice and warm and everyone looks smart and wears a tie.